0: would remain standing and open your Bible to John chapter 3 as we continue our study of John's gospel this morning. Picking up in verse 16, reading through verse 21. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. For God so loved the world That light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. The word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask for help. Lord, thank you for this, your word. As we hear about your love for us, that deployed you, Jesus, into the world to be lifted up. May your spirit be at work teaching us. Show us, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Are there any more famous words in all of Scripture than John 3.16? Still shows up everywhere. In the 80s, you saw it at a bunch of basketball games, right? You still see the sign. It still pops up from time to time. People holding up John 3.16, you're like, you're at this massive sporting event, John 3.16 painted on the sides of vehicles. You can see it driving around the South on billboards. Just a massive billboard, John 3:16, Bumper stickers, t-shirts, online graphics. It's everywhere. Is there any wonder why that is? This verse does something to, to serve the imagination in some pretty profound ways. If we take a step back and, and, and take the this, this cynicism out of it, this verse is gorgeous. It's incredible. Sometimes I think, though, that f- familiarity breeds contempt. It's kind of like a blister when I rake my yard. I do this activity over and over and over again for three or four hours. I have blisters on my hands. It's the repetition that gets to us, right? Last week we saw Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. And the nature of that interaction was him coming to to Jesus saying, Hey, I know you're a rabbi. We know all these good things about you. Jesus was having none of it. Brick by brick, he dismantles everything that Nicodemus thinks he knows. He comes to Jesus with what he thinks he knows and Jesus utterly takes it apart. And The sum of that is this, Nicodemus you cannot earn salvation on your own. You can't do it, Nicodemus. Pharisee, leader of the Jews. You can't get salvation on your own merit. Apart from the work of God you have no hope. You must be born again, Nicodemus. He even tells him that he would have better luck uh, imposing his own will on the wind than making this happen himself. Then Jesus ends with his words, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The next words, likely not that of Jesus, rather the evangelist looking back on this evangelistic conversation giving us Inspired commentary. He looks back on it, and and this is his comment on this conversation that Jesus just had. His comment is this God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's quite astonishing. Why would Jesus have interacted with him like this? Why does he come at us like this through his word today? The answer is love. Love. Love can make us do crazy things. Queen wrote a whole song about it. Crazy little thing called love. I I, I don't encourage you to do this, but I had to do this early in the week. I just... You can do it, it's not terrible, but go Google um, crazy things people do for love. Here are some answers. Robbing several Waffle Houses. Stealing a huge collection of moon rocks. Getting a tattoo. It's a very common one. And then right behind that is getting tattoos removed. The crazy things we do for love. Driving across the country to see a beloved loved one, a sweetheart, wearing diapers because you don't want to stop. Skydiving in to propose. People do crazy things for love. The extent to which we, we love someone is, maybe it could be said, the extent to which we will do extraordinary things for them. These are trivial things. These are crazy things, but we all know this. Any every single one of us to some degree or another in here have experienced love, and you know that for someone you love, you will go a long ways. I think that's where the surprise and the shock of this text should hit us. It might be one of the most familiar not just to us in our circles, but worldwide. Yet let's not miss the astonishing love of God. The outline is very simple. The love of God leads to the light of God. First, the love of God. John has been called the apostle of love. He devotes a, a ton of his time and attention to the love of the Father to the Son and the Son's love of the Father and that love spilling out and pouring over the people of God. We find that the Father and the Son and their, their love together comes and it is extended to us. This love of God It should be noted is not grounded in our loveliness. We'll have more to say about that in a minute. We aren't the lovable ones. First John four, John writes simply, "God is love." This is truly amazing. God so loved the world. We need to wrap our minds around this world. This word "so." I think sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes in my heart, I may get it wrong. It is not the level of emotion that God has for us. And here's the thing, it's because His love is not like our love. It might be said of me at one time or another, Quinn so loved Ken that he did something. Well, he might not do it the next day. Because that level is down. But this is not that word, so This is the word hutos, and it means in this manner, or thus, or in this way. So here's what's going on. We we can read it like this. In this manner, in this way, God loved the world. In this way, he loved the world. If you're going to get the shock and scandal of this verse, you have to hear that. It is not the emotion of God. He loves the world, and His love is not like ours. It's not fluctuating up and down. It is steady and constant. He can't love us more or less. In this way, He loved the world. Again, our loves are mitigated. God's love is not like that. This is His manner of love. This is the kind of love that God has. His love sins the Son. His love sins Christ. We read something similar in Romans 5. God showed his love for us in that we were, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, John 4, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and gave himself up for us. Who is God loving here? It says that God loves the world. This language is fairly typical. John uses the world in a lot of different ways. He is not talking universal salvation here. If all you read is John 3:16 and you come away with that, that's not good. You have to read on. It's clear that there will will be a divided world. There will be light and dark. There will be those who believe and those who do not believe. He is making a commentary on this. God's love is not limited to national Israel. He loves Israel. He loves the nations. He loves every tongue and tribe. He is coming to rescue and to save. Not just one certain people group. But he's going to snatch people from every corner of the globe and call them his own. This is what theologian B.B. Warfield said about the world here. Quote, the world is just a synonym of all that is evil and noisome and disgusting. There is nothing in it that can attract God's love. The point of the world's employment in John 3.16 is not to suggest that the world is so big that it takes a great deal of love to embrace it at all, but that the world is so bad that it takes a great kind of love to love it at all, and much more to love it as God has loved it when he gave his son for it, end quote. That's astonishing. We get hung up on who immediately, and we don't think about the glory of what he's saying when he says he loves the world. We are sinners. We have defied him at every turn. We were expelled from the garden in our rebellion. We sang that earlier today. This is the world that God loves. How did God love the world? Again, he, he gave His only Son, again, that, that term monogenous. Um, there's, there's none like this one. There's, there's no other one like this one. The only Son, th- this Son, this Jesus, this Messiah was in the bosom of the Father before all worlds, before creation was spoke into existence. Christ was in the bosom of the Father. This is the one who was sent. That's how much God loved the world. Not the so part, but the son part. He loved the world enough to deploy his only son into it. And again, you have to tie that together with what came last week, right? What happened in 15? 15? Son of Man must be lifted up. It's really astonishing. Verse 14 says that he's coming to, to, to be on a cross. And the reason this is so powerful is we see that God stands opposed to sin in every possible way. He hates it. He cannot be in its presence. But this same God loved the world. He loved that sinful world even you see Jesus didn't come and die to, to make us lovable that is not what is being said it's not what the Bible teaches it says that God loved the world so he sent his son And there's all the difference in the world right there what is the mission of the love of God why would he do this so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have life. So the question is, will we look on the Son of Man? Like Israel out there, everybody's snake-bitten, people are already starting to die, raise up a bronze serpent. Hey, all you have to do is look and you'll live comes to us today when we look and live. And the thing is, the rest of what Jesus said is true as well. You can't look on your own effort. You will not see. The wind has to blow. The Spirit must enlighten your eyes and your ears for you to ever see the wonder of the gospel. Notice how exclusive it is. The only options given in this verse are look at Jesus and live, have life eternal, or don't believe and perish. It's very exclusive. He's the only way. If you don't trust him, there is no other way. There is no other hope. Utterly exclusive. Israel could not have healed themselves any other way than looking at the bronze serpent. They didn't have a vaccine. They didn't have any venom. They had death or the serpent. We have death, we have perishing, or we have Christ. The story is huge. It's loving, it's beautiful, it's scary, it's life or death. The sun being given to the world By a loving father. Have you believed this? Verse 17 and 18 go on to further clarify and comment. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Again, these verses sit side-by-side. Salvation and condemnation. Those two sit side-by-side very often in God's Word. Jesus doesn't just come to pronounce salvation or condemnation. He comes saying both. And He's the dividing line in between them. verse 18 specifically helps us understand that John isn't speaking of this kind of universal salvation situation. Well, he said there's definitely condemnation for those outside of Christ. What of those who reject Christ? One commentator, I love this, said this about those in verse 18 rejecting Jesus, quote, as with the arrogant critic who mocks a masterpiece, it is not the masterpiece that is condemned, but the critic, end quote, Jesus is the masterpiece of God's love for the world. And it is utterly foolish to not trust him and believe in him. John 3.16, stamped on cups at In-N-Out Burger. Martin Luther called John 3.16, quote, the Bible in miniature. When this verse is added to, verses around it, we see the Trinity at work. We hear about sin and condemnation and we hear wonderful news, gospel news, good news of God's love for the world and sending Jesus who would be lifted up to take away our sin. Salvation and eternal life are on the line right here. Again, what is our response? What does it mean to believe? He he talks a lot about belief. And actually, we, we said that the goal of all of John is this evangelistic tool. It's a missive he sends into the world, to the Jewish world and to the Gentile world, to say, believe in Jesus. So what is belief? We know that simply looking at the signs of Jesus and being a little bit impressed isn't enough, because we've already seen that kind of belief, and we said, nah, Jesus didn't believe in them. They believed in him, and he said, no, that's not belief. It's, it's not enough to be impressed with Jesus, in other words. Ooh, this Jesus guy, he's impressive. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. And he says, nope, that's not it. Doesn't mean thinking of him As a good man, a good teacher, a good prophet. In James 2, we're warned. Verse 19, if you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Matthew 7, Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You can hear this play out in your mind. Lord, didn't we do all the right things for you? We went to church. We even gave the church some of our money. We gave to good causes. We didn't curse our neighbors to their face or even behind their backs. We were good. Not enough. Not belief. So, what then is true belief? It's submission, it's giving yourself over to God in faith. It's like a child who would fly to their parents looking for safety, knowing that that parent can be fully trusted in their moment of fear. they just run and jump and that's it, they're safe. They're home. I'd say more about belief. Belief, there is a content to it. We're getting the content today. This is the content. God loves the world and deploys His Son Jesus into it to save, to rescue, to redeem, to justify. We need the content. But that's not enough either. What do you do with this content? You must trust, believe the content of the gospel for yourself. Not that this is good enough just to save someone else, did Christ come to save you. When we read this incredible statement of God's love for the world, do you put yourself in that place? I am that sinner in the world that God loved, and when He sent His Son, He sent His Son for me. We need to know the facts. For sure, we need to be pursuing God in the Bible. We need to be hearing sermons like this. We need content, but content is not enough. If you're not flying to Christ and trust and faith, all the content in the world is not enough. I'm speaking to, in many ways, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You're like, yeah, we we got this. We got this verse. But listen, this gospel isn't just for conversion. This gospel is for all of life. We continue believing the gospel today. We need to hear it again and again and again, week in and week out. Why is there weekly worship? Why has there always been weekly worship for the people of God? Because we forget. We forget the gospel. It just goes away, and suddenly we're operating with God like we, uh, we can earn his favor. We're back where Nicodemus was on this first meeting. We need it. We need good news week in and week out. So what's the difference between those who have believed in this text and those who haven't? John spells it out along the rails of light and dark and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We read this back in the prologue. This whole story is going to be a story on rails of light and darkness. Unbelievers here love the darkness more than the light because their works are evil. They don't want to come to the light. They don't want to be exposed. Proverbs chapter 4 The path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. John goes further down in verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest their work should be exposed. John is saying there's a moral component to unbelief. Those who practice wickedness do not want a light to shine on them. Coming to Christ exposes a need for Christ. If you come to Christ and give yourself to Him in faith, in belief, it means you need Him. Do you see what that implies about you and me? That we're not enough, that we're sinners. And we need a Savior. To come to Christ in some sense is to admit that you are a failure as a human being. To come to Christ means that you need something that you cannot provide. To come to Christ means that you have failed morally. To come to Christ means that you need salvation. And John says because of that reality, many are going to stay in the dark. They don't want all that coming to Christ implies about them. You remember the story of Ahab and Jehoshaphat? It's the very end of 1 Kings. Go back and read it. It's a, it's a great story. But there, Ahab, king of Israel, he doesn't like some things that are going on. He, he goes to Jehoshaphat and says, let's go to war together. Jehoshaphat's pretty, pretty wise. And he said, why don't you go ask the prophets first? Go find out what God wants done here. So Ahab does. He goes and asks the prophets. And he comes back and says, Yeah, they they all say we're good to go. And Jehoshaphat said, All of them? All the prophets said we're good to go? He's like, Well, there's this one. Do y'all remember this story? Micaiah? It's like, There's this one Micaiah. And here we read in in the story, The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, By whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Ilmiah, but I hate him for he never prophesies good concerning me but evil. I don't want to hear what he says. He only has bad things to say, so he shuts him out. Actually, Micaiah does say, Yeah, God has given me some news and it's not going to go well. That's that. Go read the story. It's fantastic. The point here is there we see this exact reality. I don't want to hear bad news about me. I don't want to hear how bad I am. And in many ways I'm still that way. This gospel comes along as light. We as Christians should be some of the most transparent people on the planet. Because the gospel has freed us. The gospel Set us free. Of all people, we are those who should not have to hide. Look at verse 21 But whoever does what is true comes to the light. This is what belief looks like coming to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in who? In God. These works carried out in God. These these works of light, righteousness. We're back where we started. This is God's work. That's what everybody's going to see. And you're a sinner who ran to Christ. How wonderful it is that he could save sinners like you and me. You don't have to hide coming to the light. Our sin is exposed. We're admitting that we need Jesus. We're told over and over in Scripture that the beginning of godly wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. I think we all need to hear this today. Christian, you are offered the most incredible gift in Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, hear me. You are offered... An incredible gift in Christ because the God, creator God of the universe loves the world. So much so that he sent his only son. And here's the thing, coming to Jesus, we don't minimize our sin. Because then you only get a little Jesus. Thomas Goodwin says, he who makes little of his disease makes little of his doctor, end quote. I'm a little sinner, then I just need a little bit of Jesus, and then I'm good to go. There's no such thing as a little sinner. For us to really get the beauty of Christ, how glorious John 3.16 is, we need to understand that God loves us, that we were those in the dark, fled to the light of Christ, My sin, oh, the sin of the the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It's good news. And it is a glorious thought. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible passage. Lord, may it not wear on us like a blister. May we not hold it in contempt, but be shocked by it today, stunned by your good news. Lord, if there are any here who do not know you, who have not believed in you, would you give them eyes to see and ears to hear? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.